0: Good evening welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ midweek Bible study I'm Derek Glover the preacher at the Monroe Church of Christ and we welcome you in wherever you're watching from as we continue our study on how we got the Bible this has been a fascinating journey I have very much enjoyed just the process of preparing for it and presenting it and I hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit about how the Bible the 66 books that we hold in our hand on a regular basis uh, whether it be in in paper form or digitally how did it end up in our hands? How did we get it? How did we come this far from what we had? And in the uh, 12 or 13 weeks we've been studying this, we've seen how language progressed and how the translations progressed. And now we're into some stories about how those scriptures survived some very difficult times. We've talked about the Spanish, or excuse me, the, the, the Inquisition, not just the Spanish Inquisition, but, the, but uh, amongst the Catholic Church, when they became intertwined with the politics of Europe, how was it that the scriptures survived when they tried to lock them down? And again, I wanna, I wanna stress that we're not criticizing or, or uh, trying to paint a picture of Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic believers as being somehow evil or, or destructive to scripture, but it is the facts of history with regard to the institution that we want to bring to light. Um, and, and in the same way that we have to address some negative moments in our own history as a nation or or what have you uh, we want to acknowledge the facts of it and really to celebrate the power and the providence of god in bringing forth scripture through that troublesome time so let's continue to take a look at uh at how this story came to be when we think of the protestant reformation we think a lot of people like martin luther and he came to the picture though with the groundwork that was laid by people we've discussed in the previous few weeks people like john wickliffe people like john huss people like the lawlords or the secret society and others like william tyndale william tyndale is someone who's very important to talk about uh, william tyndale was born in 1494 and he was admitted to oxford university at age 11. this was a prodigious young man who was very, very masterful with his understanding of language. He was masterful with his intellect, and he received a master's degree at age 21 after studying Oxford. A a master's degree required a mastery of the liberal arts as well as theology, and he was a brilliant man. William Tyndale came under the influence of the secret society in his time at Oxford, and uh, Cardinal Wolseley, who was an official with the Catholic Church, began to launch a uh, crusade, if you will, but, uh, but an effort to hunt down and rid the land of the lawlords, the secret society. And it was during this time that William Tyndale left Oxford. He, he took off because he was a part of this group. In 1516 or 17 is when this happened. He, he left uh, the comfort of Oxford compelled by the hunting of the Lollards. Uh, During this time about between 50 and 100 people were jailed every year and at least five from this area were burned at the stake because of their adherence to the teachings of people like Wycliffe and Huss and others. So Tyndale went to Cambridge and he found a home amongst the secret society at a place called the White Horse Inn. These were um, local groups of reformers and many of them had been German immigrants and in Germany we know That this reform movement was taking off thanks to uh, uh the influence of martin luther and the ability to produce and print translations of scripture in common language uh by the work of gutenberg so tyndale's at cambridge and during this time the inquisition arrived in 1521 and there were 25 men of this number that were martyred as a result of their belief in the need for reform So he left and he went to a place called Gloucestershire. And in Gloucestershire, he worked as a private tutor for a family. Now, this was pretty common for educated academic people to work as tutors. Uh, It was very common of scholars to do so. And he secretly, in his time tutoring for a well-known family, and this was the the family of Sir John Walsh and his wife, um, very prominent, noble family. It was during this time that he was secretly translating the works of uh, erasmus uh, from greek into english erasmus was highly regarded amongst the catholic church at this time for his work in translating scripture and in his additional writings but english was not yet a standard language and so now uh the work of, of tyndale in translating erasmus had begun and he was a scholar in multiple languages but sir john walsh the family he worked for were very powerful and they had friends in the catholic church Friends among the priests and the bishops and the cardinals, and they would often invite them to dinner. And Tyndale, as he attended these dinners, was offended at the ignorance of the priest to Scripture. Remember, the position of priest was a powerful political and financial position. You could get rich being a priest. And so many of these people were in it for the career, and they had little to no knowledge of Scripture. And again, the Scripture was only in Latin, it wasn't in their common language. So, Sir John used to, in these dinners, ask Tyndale to p- give his input really just for the fun of watching arguments. He enjoyed uh, the the repartee and the debate that took place in these dinners. And Sir John, uh, Sir, Sir John Walsh's wife was troubled by this. She reminded Tyndale, don't forget you're just a lowly tutor, okay? You're not one of these learned men like the priest. She kind of diminished him. And so, uh, Tyndale decided that he would demonstrate his skill by translating uh, a work of Erasmus called Manual of a Christian Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And he presented this translation to Sir John and his wife, and they were amazed. And they were further amazed by what they read, because the works of Erasmus, who had been long revered as an elder, uh, an expert, a doctor of the Catholic Church, uh, was writing about the need for reform. In the church but the church didn't realize that because it wasn't written in a language they understood so when he translated it, it showed that the work was indeed one that promoted reform the catholic church from this point on uh denounced erasmus and the walshes stopped inviting the clergy to their dinners and encouraged Tyndale to keep working on his translation now this upset the clergy of the day because there were no more dinners They were no longer in the in crowd with these nobles. And so they summoned Tyndale to them and they challenged him. And they questioned him, but he was too great a scholar and they stood no chance. They wanted to get rid of him, but he was saved by uh, his relationship with John Walsh. Remember the nobles had uh, a lot of power, a lot of the princes in the land. There were kings who were monarchs, but they relied on the taxes being paid by the local governors and princes and nobles. In order to raise an army and to wage war so they had to have some sort of uh, relationship with them and the church did not want to go against walsh so Tyndale hoped to inspire reform among the church but they weren't interested because reform threatened their power now again I, I, i want to point out that he like luther was not advocating for splitting from the church he was advocating for reforming the church But that's a dangerous thing when power and money are tied up in the position of those who are in charge think about the time of jesus the jews the teachers the the religious elite of the first century they knew who jesus was there were many times in scripture where they question him and his response leaves little doubt Uh, they even admit amongst themselves who he is but they can't allow him to win because if they do then they lose their power So, the church needed to do something. They determined that the scripture was not to be known. They would not allow the scripture to be known by the common man, so Tyndale became a marked man. They uh, prevented him from doing the work of translation and printing because spies were everywhere. There were spies and bounty hunters and people looking out for the church and being paid by the church to, to tattle on somebody so it was too dangerous for Tyndale to buy the supplies he needed the paper and the ink so they tried to keep him quiet Uh, and and he tried to keep quiet he tried to lay low he tried to have a low profile Uh, a priest uh, that Tyndale heard declared that it was better to be without God's law than the pope he heard a priest declare this and Tyndale could not stay quiet any longer and he replied to the man I defy the pope and if I live long enough, I will cause the the I'm paraphrasing here, I will call I will cause farmers in the field to know more about the scripture than you. So with this challenge, this public challenge to these priests, Tyndall had to flee. He sought out the Bishop of London. The Bishop of London was very powerful in the Catholic Church, very powerful politically in London. He was hoping he would find someone friendly to his cause in London. And the bishop, what he determined what he discovered was that the politics of the situation and within the church were not in his favor, and he was greatly disappointed. He saw that Cardinal Wolseley was assisting Henry VIII uh, in, in, in his evil that he was a part of. And so Tyndale went underground and joined with the secret society. And he examined Martin Luther's translation of the Bible in German, and he committed At that point in his life to bringing an english translation of scripture to europe to western europe a man named henry monmouth warned tyndall that he had to get on the run he needed to get out of town because uh, it was too dangerous for him there there were people looking for him and they were closing in on him but he had you know you got to think europe is full of war at this point civil war and war between countries and they're swapping territories back and forth it's a dangerous place to travel no matter what side you're on. And he had nowhere to go. So he left and went to Germany. And he went to Hamburg in 1524. The secret society arranged for his transport and his financial provision. And they did so with some, some great uh, spy craft. You know, if you watch good spy movies, think about like um, Tinker Tailor Sol- Soldier Spy, or The Constant Gardener, those kinds of, of, kind of more old-fashioned spy movies. Um, where you know okay go down this street and look for this building it'll have this color uh curtain in the third floor knock on the door three times you know that kind of thing with codes and with secret passages and and the the inquisitors were everywhere the spies were everywhere the uh those who were seeking to hunt you down were everywhere tyndall arranged a meeting with martin luther to try and join forces. And this was four years after Luther had been excommunicated for making his famous, famous statement at uh, a council in Worms. Uh, and by the way, when you see the council of Worms, the word Worms in German looks like worms, uh, and another word for council is diet. So sometimes you'll see this referred to as the diet of worms, which is just kind of funny, but it's really like the council in Worms. But uh, it was at that council that uh, Martin Luther when challenged about his views on reform, uh, said something to the effect of, here I stand, God help me, I can do no other. Uh, He just could not, in good conscience, give up what he knew to be true. So Luther was excommunicated, and four years after that, he meets Tyndale. So the people around around Luther were protecting Tyndale, and in Germany, because of the help of those local princes and nobles, even though the king uh, of the time was unhappy with it, He could do nothing about the bible circulating because he did not want a war and he couldn't afford to go to war if the princes were not on his side so the local governments and the nobles allowed the bible in german to circulate and reform to take root in this part of the world the spies were watching they were watching for any attempt to translate anything into english much less scripture and so they were trying to capture tyndall and he lived a life of secrecy and of fear and of running for most of his time. And so these spies are on the outlook, they're on, on the lookout. They're gonna see if you're buying ink and if you're buying paper, and if you're, you know, they're watching all these places. So Tendell goes to the one place where he felt like he would be safe. And it was a bold and strange move. He went to Cologne cologne uh in germany sounds like a french name because there's a there's portions of Fr- of uh, germany and of france that were near the border and they would swap back and forth uh th- those countries kind of traded those off throughout the years uh borders move sometimes and uh cologne would have been one of those places but at the time it was the headquarters of the church's spies and the pope's uh kind of you know special forces so he thought If I go there, they'll never suspect that I'm there in the heart of their operation. So he he went there kind of to hide in plain sight. And it was in this time he got connected with one of the best printers in France, a man named Peter Quintal. And uh, together, working with Quintal at printing the scripture in English, they were able to send portions of scripture all over Europe and then reassembled at the print shop. So in other words, he didn't translate something and then take it over to Quintal and say, here, print this. He would translate a few verses and send it with this person. Translate a few verses and send it with this person. Translate a few verses and send it with that person. And then they would give it to someone else. who would give it to someone else. who would take it over here, and he'd go halfway around the world and then end up at the print shop in France with Peter Quintal. It was some of the earliest forms of encryption. I don't mean writing in code, but the way that, uh, say, like our email systems work. When we email something, it's busted up into a million pieces, and it goes through, through the, um, the 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 web, and is reassembled where it's supposed to go. They were doing this in order to avoid detection. The Catholic Church employed bounty hunters, uh, paid them enormous sums of money to hunt down reformers, and to turn them in. So Catholic bounty hunters uh, were always on the lookout for Tyndall and his associates and one of these bounty hunters uh, held a dinner for all of the printers uh, in the area. Peter Quintal was amongst those who were invited, and at this dinner uh, the bounty hunter was able to glean enough information to find out that Quintal was printing some stuff in English. Now that's already, that raises eyebrows. Printing something in English, not just anything, he was printing translations, very, very scholarly translations Uh, These these printers indicated to the bounty hunter that it was uh, pretty impressive work. And he begins to think that maybe he has found Tyndall. Maybe he has found the one who is behind these printings and these translations, the one they're looking for. And so the bounty hunter with his associates descend on Quintal's print shop, and they burn the copies. They burn the translations of the Gospel of Matthew. This was most likely the first complete gospel of matthew in english in the world and it was burned and Tyndall and his associates barely escaped ahead of the bounty hunter's arrival and escaped with their life so he returns to worms in germany and in worms he found the son now listen to this he found the son of gutenberg's former printing partner so Gutenberg had an associate that worked with him with the printing press and he finds this man and uh, The son of this this associate and he says I'll I'll print your work for you. We'll print Matthew So they began printing the gospel of Matthew and printing the Bible and by the way Tyndall never really Completed a translation of the Bible because he was constantly revising he would finish something and he would go back and revise it more so while Tyndall did print Uh, scripture all throughout Europe in this time and translate it he was constantly revising it so we don't really have anything that's complete um, like we have with the King James which would have been the first of its kind um, translated in English but he was constantly revising constantly printing and hiring merchant sailors this is in 1526 uh, mid-1520s to carry it throughout Europe including into England and so the Pope and the bishop of london and the higher ups in the catholic church ordered and the king of england ordered that they guard every port to prevent these copies of scripture from coming in but you can't guard every place on an island which england is and so it was estimated that within about a year there were over a hundred thousand copies of scripture in england in the english language it's an amazing feat amazing thing he was able to accomplish but Tyndale was suffering because the church was very much against him in fact the church would confiscate copies of scripture and burn them um, they actually organized all of the bishops all of the priests uh, in in England to have a to preach a unified sermon so everybody would preach the same sermon on on Sunday and it was going to be to denounce Scripture translated in English as being full of errors In fact, some priests went so far as to take copies of scripture and burn them as a part of their worship service Think about what that means incredible incredible So Tyndale in 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 this effort, he's got to pay for his paper. He's got to pay for his ink He's got to pay for the services of the printer He's got to take the time to do the translation. He could barely afford to do any of this, pay for the transportation. And some of those were confiscated and burned and he was constantly working and constantly going into more and more debt. He wasn't eating. He was wasting away. He was worn out. And it was at this time that a man, a bounty hunter was hired by the Bishop of London named Packington. Now Packington found Tyndale. He called a meeting with him. Now, listen to what happens here, because here's Tyndale. Now, he, 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 he's nearly at the point where he can no longer continue this work. The church is, is taking so much of this work and destroying it and trying to keep it out of the hands of people. Although he's having much success, he's fighting an uphill battle. He's out of money, he's in debt, he's wasting away, and now a bounty hunter has caught up to him. And instead of capturing him, instead of taking him in, he says, I have an idea that can solve your problem. See, the Bishop of London had told Packington to go and to confiscate everything you find, catch Tyndale, get these these copies, these translations, these printings, and destroy them, and I will pay whatever it takes to make it happen. And Packington sees an opportunity. Packington proposes to Tyndale, let's do this. He said, because I have a very wealthy buyer for all of your books. He said, who would that be? He said, the Bishop of London. And Tyndale says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the Bishop of London wants to buy my books, it's only because he wants to burn them. And Packington said, that's absolutely right. But see, I'm going to overcharge him for those books. I'm going to charge him such an exorbitant markup. And he'll get some of those books and he'll be able to destroy them, but I will take the profits and I'll pass them on to you and you can pay your debts and you can afford to keep doing your work. You see what's happening, Packington's double crossing the Bishop of London and now he's taking the funds that are being used to shut Tyndale down and he's marking up the copies of the Bible so that he can pass along some of this money he's skimming from the Bishop of London so that Tyndale can continue printing and continue to be prolific in his translating and disseminating of the scriptures in English. And people wondered, the church wondered for years, how is Tyndale able to do this? How is he surviving? How are his associates surviving? There was um, uh, a a man who was captured uh, some years later and put before a judge He was charged as a heretic. And the judge asked him, how is Tyndale able to do this? And he said he has a very wealthy benefactor and under threat of torture. (coughs) excuse me under threat of torture this heretic uh was told that he must reveal who the benefactor was because they thought it might be someone in king henry's court or some official in the church and and he laughed and he said it's the bishop of london the bishop of london has been financing the work of william tyndale for many years uh and he had no idea sometimes it's just wonderful to see how god makes things happen Uh, and so through the work of this bounty hunter packington and their double crossing of the bishop of london tyndale was able to revive his work and continue translating and spreading the gospel in english for the very first time ever with the help of printers and with the help of associates in the secret society unbelievable work being done in the effort for reform And over the next couple weeks, we're going to keep talking about Tyndale and others like him, and it's going to get us closer and closer to where we're going to end up concluding this story, and that is with the King James Bible. How do we get to that? And really, the reason we'll conclude there is because from that point on, we now have a complete canon, a complete Bible in English. From that point on, it's a matter of other versions and other translations and revisions, But for the most part, that completes the journey for us, the journey from ancient writings by ancient people into the hands of English speakers, which we are. And there are a multitude of other stories uh, very similar that get the Bible into the hands of other people with other languages. But we're focusing on us, you and I, um, and for the most part, we're English speakers. And so it really matters how the Bible gets into our hands And that's where that story ends, is with King James. So we're going to get there in the next few weeks. We're nearing the end of this study, and it's been a wonderful journey. And I hope you'll continue taking it with me. So um, we thank you so much for joining us uh, for this study. And we continue to look forward to you joining us the next time. Thanks very much.